Hello. And welcome. This is the What If I Told You podcast, a show where we like to tell you stories with no resolution so you can share in our unending curiosity. We like to share the love, people. Yeah, I mean, we want you to sit back after the episode and obsess over the little things that Mm. you've maybe heard about or never heard about. So that's just what we do all the time. We're planting a seed in your brain so that you're going to remember this whenever the episode is over. Yeah. Absolutely. We want to give you a little something to take away from this. All righty. So this morning we we did have a legitimate breakfast nook this morning. Yes. All thanks to today being the day that Dakota was born. Yes. Today, Happy birthday, Dakota. I haven't even told him in person. I just didn't think of it as <laughs> I saw him when I got here. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's his birthday today. He's 31. Old ass. Old. Um, he's six months older than me, so. I'm six months older than Keegan. Oh, that's so weird. How precious. How precious. So his request for his birthday breakfast was chicken and waffles. So I made chicken and waffles, and that's what the three of us had for breakfast. Yeah, believe it or not, I've never had chicken and waffles before. Mm-hmm. Anytime I go to breakfast, I'm not ordering that because I want, you know, the eggs, the hash browns, the bacon and toast. But it was fucking good, dude. Yeah. I knew that I would like it. Yeah. I have never at when we go out and eat breakfast, it's not what I order. Dakota orders it a lot. Mm-hmm. But I, like you, want to have eggs, probably sausage. Definitely hash browns. Right. Maybe even a pancake on the side. Maybe a pancake on the side. I never get a waffle on the side. Always a pancake on the side. Yeah. I don't think I've ever ordered waffles outside. Like, I've never ordered waffles at a restaurant just because we always have them in the house. Now, Mm -hmm. I know, like, a good Belgian waffle restaurant place, you want to order a waffle, but... Even then, I'm just not yeah. drawn to that. I love them, but I'm just not drawn to it. Me either. Um, I'm really a savory breakfast person, to yes. be honest. Yes. If we're going out to eat breakfast at a restaurant, I always, almost always get eggs. Yeah. And I'm not no even interested, what. like, in the cinnamon roll they bring no, out. No, no, Like, I'm drinking either sweet coffee or chocolate milk. I just want actual breakfast food. Yeah. Yes. I want... I I also don't love starting my day off with sugar. Well, I can't say the same. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, we had chicken and waffles this morning. I don't put syrup on my waffles. Or my waffles. (laughs) My chicken. I... Keep the chicken separate from the waffles, and I eat chicken with ranch dressing, and then I put syrup on my waffles. Um, Dakota does honey mustard for his chicken. I love honey mustard. I don't like mustard at all. I don't like yellow mustard. Mm -hmm. I like spicy brown. Yeah. Dijon, which is basically the same, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. It tastes the same. And honey mustard. 
I mean, I will use mustard to cook with, like to marinade something in mustard or whatever. Uh, I will do that. I don't put mustard on a sandwich. No. I don't use mustard on anything mm. outside. If if it's going to be cooked off, that's fine. Right. Mustard is good for things like deep frying a turkey. Yeah, you baste it in mustard. Yes. Right. This is true. It has good flavor. I just, you know, just to eat it itself. Right. I don't want it. Dakota likes mustard, though. He's more of a spicy brown, Dijon, like, ger- actual like, German mustard he loves. Yeah. And even then, I'm not slapping it on my sandwich. Um, mm-hmm. Just, like, a little bit is, it goes a long way with that. Yeah. I'm the same. yellow mustard. I'm the same way with mayo. I don't like mayo. Mm. I will cook with mayo if you, if it, like, I don't know. I make a bread dip. Mm-hmm. I just made it to take to Dakota's mom's for Christmas, and um, it's amazing. Is and it like it's, a dill dip? It has dill in it. It's mayo, sour cream, a little bit of cream cheese, little ham chunks, Ooh. garlic, dill, parsley. That sounds really salt good. Pepper. It's very, very good. This is a recipe that I got from Angel. She oh, yeah. used to make bread dip all the time. And I can't everyone, make shit like that. Everyone, lo- it's a, it really is addictive. Mm-hmm. If you start eating it, you just have to keep eating it. And I love bread so much. Yeah. I remember, and I don't even know if I've told you this before, but I love bread. Yeah. I fucking love it. And when I was young, at my dad's house and granddad's house you know we lived on a farm and they lived on the same farm like off of the same driveway and I don't know if this is like a thing a lot of farmers would do but we did it they would get all the expired bread from a grocery store which you know wasn't moldy or anything Mm -hmm. load that shit in a trailer and like haul it out into the pasture and the cows would eat it Mm mm-hmm And there's, like, this video of me, and I was, I don't know, Jameson's age, maybe four or five. My dad walks out, and I'm, like, up on the, like, tire of this trailer just, like, eating this bread. (laughs) And he's like, Emily, get out of the bread trailer. (laughs) So good. Yeah, bread is amazing. I I love bread so much. Dakota's a sourdough bread guy. Mm. I do love sourdough bread. Um, I have yet to make sourdough i like to make bread i it's homemade bread is so much better better. it it should go without saying that homemade bread is better but i don't think you really understand how much better it is until you actually have yeah homemade bread Mm -hmm. what i implore people to do with homemade bread is make a grilled cheese oh yeah that really, really showcases how much better homemade bread is. It's so much better. And speaking of bread, Keegan really loves chicken salad sandwiches, mm-hmm. and I do too. And we will typically get like pita pocket breads mm-hmm. for our chicken salad. And we were doing our grocery order yesterday, and I was like, you should get croissants to have your chicken salad oh, on. Oh, yeah. He's never had a chicken salad sandwich on a croissant, and he was making one when I 
left the house and I know his life has been changed. <laughs> I like to use croissant as a replacement for almost any type of sandwich. I love croissants. Yeah. Oh my God. I went in bed last night at like 12 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my list of things to to make. Oh, yeah. A homemade croissant. Yeah. Damn, dude. They're mm, I, delicious. My short list of things that I want to master at baking. So I've already got macarons. Mm-hmm. I have made the macaron. I have mastered it one time, which you nail it once and that's enough to satisfy you for yeah. life. Cause those things are hard as shit to make it. I ruined at least five batches. Yeah. Good thing that the ingredients are not expensive because Jesus. Yeah. That's true. Um, so that one, Check. I want to master the beignet. Mm. I've never had a beignet. I don't think I have either. I know in my heart of hearts that I will love it. Yeah, I mean, I've seen several people eat one on TV. Yeah. So I'm going to master the beignet. Sourdough bread, which means I have to get a yeast starter. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you can typically go to any bakery and they'll give you like a piece of their starter for sourdough. Yeah. And then you just have to continually feed it. Um, so I need to do that. So I want to make sourdough and croissants. So beignet, sourdough bread, croissants. I feel like maybe start with the croissants for, for my (laughs) own reasons, not yours. (laughs) I will have a look at all the ingredient lists. Sourdough will be the last because I don't have a starter. Yeah. It sucks because when I very first decided that I was going to start making bread, I was like, sourdough. It's Dakota's favorite. I also love sourdough. I don't think I have a favorite bread. I just like all the bread. Yeah. As long as it's homemade and like warm still. Uh, Yeah. I love it all. So I was like, sourdough. And then I looked at it and it said starter and I was like, shit. Mm. You can obviously grow your own starter, but it takes, like, eight days for it to be, like, viable enough to actually make a loaf. Dude, that's insane. The whole starter thing really does, like, give me pause because I've never done it and I don't know. I don't, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not a baker. I mean, I'm... I don't think I've ever baked anything, like, homemade. Really? Yeah, I feel like I'm perfectly capable of doing so. It, I just haven't. Yeah. It's really, with most things, it's just follow the instructions exactly how they are. Yeah, Keegan really wants to bake and he wants to start with a pie. And I'm like, I don't think that's a good starting point. Maybe no, like. It is. Yeah. Oh. The reason why a pie is a good place to start is because, like, anyone could make a batch of cookies. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily... When you make cookies, there is, like, put your dry ingredients here and mix them, put your wet ingredients here and whip your butter, incorporate them together. If you don't do it like that, your cookie is still going to turn out good. Yeah. With things like a pie, you that really is, like, a learning curve. So mm-hmm. it's good to start with a pie. Yeah, the thing about Keegan is, and I'm not, like, dogging on him at all here, but if it's not on the grill, like, I'm doing all the cooking, except bacon. He can fry some bacon. Yeah. And 
like when we have tacos, I make his taco for him because he's just convinced that it doesn't taste the same when he puts it together. Okay. And so when he says things like, I'm going to get the ingredients to bake a homemade pie, I'm like a little nervous on the inside. (laughs) And I urge him not to do that. Yeah. He tried to make like a hamburger helper beef stroganoff once a long time ago. No. Out of the box? Yes. I'm pretty sure that Jameson can make hamburger helper out of the box. I think what happened, if I remember correctly, and he'll probably correct me on this after he listens to this playback, (laughs) he put too much water in it and then tried to take the water out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I think that at like that point forward, he's like, I can't cook. I can't follow the instructions on a box, which is fine. He doesn't need to. That's why I'm there. I just know that if we ever separated, um, he'd be eating a lot of frozen food items. Yeah. So. Dakota's a good cook just by default because I like cooking. Mm -hmm. I, by default, typically cook our meals. Yeah. But... It's not because he can't. He is 100% capable of cooking. And he, like, as we talked about in our episode previous to this one, he's really good at grilling things. <laughs> and I am not. But, yeah, he's he's a perfectly good cook. Good. I just, I like to do it. Yeah, I wouldn't say I don't like cooking. I, I mean, I like cooking. When I have, like, more time than, like, an hour at the end of a work day, you know, like, yeah. before bedtime for the kids, yeah. then it just becomes stressful for me. Yeah. It does help that it's just he and I that mm-hmm. I am cooking for. And, I mean, it's not like my kids eat what we actually cook for dinner anyways, so. Well, right. There's that. Yeah. Caden is getting to the age, though, where we're like, dude, you're eating this. Yeah. But Jameson, that's a whole other story. Yeah. It's tough, but I definitely prefer to bake because there is an element when you're baking something of, I don't know if this is going to turn out. <laughs> Almost every, aside from cookies and bread, because I've, I've mastered bread now. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm, because it's not very many ingredients and what you have done it a few times, you just kind of muscle memory. It's the process that makes a difference. Yes. The process, how long you let it rise and all of that, that's muscle memory. And once you get it down with your oven, how long you need to do this, it, it always turns out. Yeah. But like, if I'm trying to bake something new, there's always that element of this might go way south yeah because one minute more or less in the oven when it comes to baking makes like a huge fucking difference yeah that's why i was obsessed with macaroons for a while and that coincided with the time that i was working from home Mm -hmm. so i was like just it took out my commute time so i was home more right and i was just like obsessed because with the macaroon it isn't Yes, you have to do everything in order. You have to do this first and add this and then this. But 
the key to macaroons is when you whip your eggs. If yeah. you if you over whip your eggs or under whip your eggs, which is really a matter of like 30 seconds of blender time, mm-hmm. not blender, hand mixer is what I use. But it's so hard. It's yeah, that's so crazy. hard. But whenever I made uh the first batch of macaroons that I actually like got right, I felt like I was on top of the world. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god. They they have the foot at the bottom. They have the film on the top. I have one. I've won and no one can convince me otherwise." You're like, all baking competitions, here I come. Paul Hollywood, I'm still waiting for your call. Oh, Paul Hollywood. Pierce me with those eyeballs. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, we well. don't have a chips corner this morning because we're actually kind of catching up with the holiday slum it felt like mm-hmm. yeah and so we're recording two episodes back to back well i mean there's been a couple days since we've recorded so chip hasn't had a chance to listen to the episode before this one so yeah he has nothing to correct us on or anything to add yeah but we have a gift from a friend we received our very first gift. Yes. And my friend Kelsey made us these amazing coasters. They're so cute. So cute. We've posted pictures on our Facebook and Instagram. So if you haven't seen them, go take a look. They're made out of resin. And she does like a lot of resin art, which I think is very cool. Very cool. And even the little thing, like other than the beads that say, what if I told you? Like, the little things are handmade as well. Mm-hmm. I've known she's been making me a present for a while because for Christmas, which I gave this gift to her, like, two months early. But it was something I saw and I couldn't not buy for her. Yeah. Kelsey loves sharks. She is obsessed with sharks. That's and amazing. so I saw this, like, uh, coffee tumbler travel mug and it was so cute. It was, like floral had all these different types of sharks on it you know she was making me a gift and i was blown away when i saw what it was yeah so kelsey thank you thank you kelsey you're amazing you're the best you're so talented if you need a coaster let me know she'll uh get that shit done for you hell yeah does she like make stuff and sell them no, I don't think so. She needs to start, like, an Etsy shop and, like, I sell know. her shit. I know. Kelsey, come on. Yeah, I mean, people love that type of shit. They really do, and more and more people are trying to buy from, like, Etsy shops and, like, yes. individuals and yes. support that kind of a thing, which is what I did a lot for Christmas this year, rather than, like buying shit from amazon yeah i mean i love amazon i get things from amazon like not every day but i mean (laughs) often yeah dude you gotta support your local artists and even if they're not local like scroll etsy once in a while 
They have the coolest shit on Etsy. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I know there's tons of people out there that even just, like, make t-shirts. Like, Mm -hmm. support them. I mean, most people are doing this for income. Oh, yeah. Especially now, you know, people are trying to supplement because they've got reduced work hours or they're laid off. Uh-huh. So they're using their talents mm-hmm. in an entrepreneurial way, which is super awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So support your your artsy friends. You know, I try to do that as much as I can. And yeah. It's, there's nothing better than like a homemade gift, even if it's like you buy it for yourself. Yeah. I love, I love a homemade gift. Like last year. So as we talked about in episode 11, when we talked about Jonestown, um, we also talked about how many birthdays in my family are in the month of January. And for my dad's birthday, his is the 31st. Last year, I made him a homemade custard pie. Mm. Because I was here when that happened. Yeah, his favorite pie is custard pie. Buying him gifts is really difficult because, like, his hobbies are like bow hunting and he does construction. Like, I can't buy him tools. Yeah, he he knows what he wants, Ex- and it's hard for other people to get those things. Yes, exactly. So I usually try to make him something or like do like a photo collage or I made him a photo book of like my nieces and nephews. I always do gifts like that because I'm not going to buy him junk that he's not going to want. Right. And so for his birthday, I was like, I'm just going to make him a custard pie because I know that he's going to love it and it's not filling his house up with items that he doesn't need. Yeah, my dad is also very hard to buy for, and I'm going to be honest, I don't typically buy him things for his birthday, Um, but like last year for Christmas, I got him like a new stock pot. My dad's a huge cook, and I got him like his favorite cereal and mm-hmm. a can of Spam. You know, just do what you can to make things for people, support what they do because a lot of the time even if it's something small people are gonna like that a lot better than a fucking gift card that's right so yes 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 i'm excited today's an exciting one this is a, a case that we both have followed for a number of years and It's our very first missing person case, and this is going to be the first of many, probably. Absolutely. Um, I think missing person cases might be my absolute favorite. Definitely my favorite. They're so interesting. Yes. So today we're going to start off with Bryce Laspisa. I'm going to bet that a lot of people haven't heard about him yeah unless you are like a a true crime podcast every day listener yes but even then i've only heard a bryce lasvisa episode from crime junkie there are a number of other podcasts that have covered bryce lasvisa okay um the podcast i listened to three episodes by a podcast called 
Crime Over Coffee. Oh, okay. And they did their very first podcast episode over this case. And then, like, a year later, did a two-part episode over this case again. Oh, wow. Because they weren't, like, they just wanted to do it again when they were, like, more seasoned. Oh, okay. But that podcast will be in our show notes. But it was good. It was just, like, kind of like us two gals sitting around, like, chatting about it. Yeah. But if you go into your podcast app and search Bryce Laspisa, uh, there are quite a few that come up. I didn't listen to them all because yeah. I didn't really need to, but. I think the first time I heard about him was on Crime Junkie. Same. And it was one of those episodes, like, I couldn't move on to the next one because there was a minute there where I was binging them at work. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Bryce's case is right up there with Maura Murray for me. Yeah. And even though, I mean, they're kind of different, but kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the weirdest story I've probably ever heard. It is incredibly weird. It It, it does have some, like, parallels to Maura Murray in that, like... They both started acting a little funky, like, right before, and then they both are in their cars going somewhere, and then their car is found, and they are not. Right. So, and then no trace of them is ever found, like, after that. So, it's very similar in that way. Yeah. This has been one that I've been really excited for, and we're just going to have to get into it. Yeah. So, let's tell you about Bryce Laspisa. So, Bryce was 19 years old when he went missing, and he went missing in California on August 30th of 2013. He was born in Illinois and graduated from Naperville High School in 2012, same year I graduated high school. Oh. His parents, Karen and Michael, they seem like really good people i mean Mm -hmm. he was an only child right and they seem to have like a super good relationship with him Mm -hmm. one of those parent kid relationships where you know they have open communication and they were just i mean they were really proud of him and he didn't seem to have like a rebellious childhood or anything like that it seemed like a pretty typical only child situation to yeah. me. Yeah. After Bryce graduated from high school, his parents decided to move the three of them to Laguna Niguel, California. And Bryce was attending college at Sierra College in Rockland, California, which was about 450 miles away from his parents, which is about a seven hour drive. Yeah. So, I mean, Pretty far. It's not really like a weekend trip drive. No. No. And honestly, like, a lot of people go away to college to feel like they're not living in their parents' house. They're an adult. They need to be independent. They need to be independent. So, yeah. It makes complete sense. You know. When... Bryce went missing. He was about to begin his sophomore year with his roommate, Sean Dixon. 
And he had also met his girlfriend, and her name was Kim. And she lived in the town of Chico, which was about 90 miles away, and they met during his freshman year. It sounds to me like that was like the first serious relationship he had had. Yeah, and I think in August when he went missing, they had probably been together about five months. Yeah. Because in some of the Facebook posts that have come up, um, he had posted like happy four months Mm -hmm. in July to her so about five months is this relationship so so it was tail end of his freshman year that they got together yeah so and five months I mean when you're it's very hard for me to gauge because I've been with Dakota for so long five (laughs) months seems like uh that's like zero time right but when it's your very first serious relationship and you're 19 years old and you're you know You know, I'm sure that they were, like, close. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And his parents talked about how, you know, she was a really sweet girl and they seemed to really like each other. Mm -hmm. So nothing, like, no weird vibes from that. Right, Right. At all. Yeah. Bryce was studying graphic and industrial design and had been telling his friends and family that he was really excited to start his second year at Sierra. And so, really, by all accounts, he was happy. He was acting normal. Nothing seemed out of place during that time. Yeah, yeah. He's described as being funny and social. He had a lot of friends. And, of course, as most teenage boys, you know, he liked video games. And so, his actions leading up to his disappearance aside from just a few days before, raised zero red flags. Yeah, yeah. Nothing like when he was still at home and then moving back to Rockland for school, everything seemed like normal. Yeah, and you know, he had one of those relationships with his parents where I'm pretty sure they talked on the phone often. Yeah, it sounds like they talked on the phone a lot. Yeah, and so you think of someone who disappears, you know, because this this case is not like, oh my gosh, what if he was kidnapped? You know, that's not really something that pops into my mind. Mm -hmm. But for just some normal-ass kid who... Up until a couple of days before he went missing for everything to just be 100% normal. Yeah. That is so strange. It is really strange. It is super strange. In order to talk about him disappearing, we really have to start a couple of days prior to his, the actual day he went missing. Um, so... Tuesday, August 27th, 2013, is when things really started to get weird. Mm -hmm. Bryce's girlfriend, Kim, reportedly said he was, quote, acting strange and admitted that he took that pill. Um, So, and it's conjectured that the pill she's referring to was an ADHD medication, um, and he wasn't prescribed ADHD medication at the time. So yeah, Sean, his roommate, later said that Bryce had been taking Vivance, 
which is an ADHD medication, and he was drinking. Yeah, not a good combination. Not a good combo. Um, So Sean said that Bryce was taking the Vyvanse to stay awake um, to play video games. I'm guessing this is like a... It's an Adderall. Like an Xbox... Yes, an Adderall. It keeps him up. So it's like an Xbox Live situation where he's like staying up at all hours of the night to play video games with people online. Yeah, and that him... And, I mean, I can't – this is just my opinion. I feel like someone taking an ADHD medication like Vyvanse or Adderall Mm -hmm. to stay awake to play video games is a little weird. I agree. I agree. And drinking on top of that, like an upper and a downer. Yeah. um, It seems out of character for him. Based on, you know, what his parents have said about him. Yeah. They haven't really said, like, I didn't find any, anything really about how he partied in high school. Right. But it could also be, and I, I like wrote this down, um, in my notes because it's also been reported that he had been drinking heavily for a while at this point. And so there's conflicting information. So some reports say that he was drinking a bottle of liquor each weekend. Now, a bottle is vague. Are they referring to like a fifth? Are they referring to like a a handle, which Mm -hmm. is like a half gallon? Because that makes a huge difference. Both of them are in one container, but wildly different amounts. And then another report says he was drinking two bottles per weekend so it's very hard to like those are that's very different what that's twice as much so yeah and even still i mean you know they say that he had been like heavily drinking liquor like Mm -hmm. the kids not sitting around having beers yeah and i guess it it just needs more context because if you're a college student and you're 19 years old i mean if you are partying Friday night and Saturday night with your friends at college, it stands to reason that in a weekend you could drink a fifth of liquor. Right. If you drink half a fifth Friday night and half a fifth Saturday night, that really isn't that much for a college student. Yeah. Honestly. Now, if you're drinking a half gallon in two days, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. If you're drinking two fifths in two days, that's also a lot. Yeah, and to me, the the couple days leading up to his disappearance, it didn't necessarily sound like a party situation. Right. But who knows when he started mm-hmm. drinking. Yeah. And that's not a huge deal. I mean, the kid's in college. Yeah, the drinking is kind of neither here nor there for me. The Vivance, I think, is, a, is an issue. Now, I know yeah. a lot of... College students have been known to take Adderall or take things that'll keep them awake and, like, uh, I guess help them focus. I've never taken Adderall or anything like that, so I don't completely know what it does, but... um, It's a stimulant. It's a stimulant. I know a lot of people take them around midterms, around finals time to help them study for exams and take exams, so... 
That part I do find concerning, especially mixing. Yeah. Especially if you're not prescribed it, you don't know how it affects you and making mixing anything like that with liquor is it's going to like make you fucked up. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that's I don't know. That's whatever. So, on the 27th, it's noted that Bryce started giving away some of his belongings. Red flag. This is a hang-up for a lot of people. And he gave away his Xbox, which the two items that come up over and over are that he gave away his Xbox and he gave away a pair of diamond earrings that his mother had gotten him. Now, obviously, the diamond earrings as a gift from his mom, giving those away, that's weird. Mm -hmm. But for someone who takes uppers to stay awake and play video games... For him to give away his Xbox, yeah, that is the bigger deal to me because it seems like he's really, really into video games. So why would he give away his Xbox? Yeah, it's like he's taken the two most valuable things he has and, and given them away. Yeah, yeah. And in the Crime Junkie episode, it talks about him telling Sean how much he, like, appreciates his friendship. Like, you've been a really good friend to me. I really appreciate that. Like, I love you, dude. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. So that's also, like, a red flag. Yeah. If I had someone, a friend, come up to me and just give me something of theirs. Yeah. I would be a little concerned. Only because, I mean, I think about this stuff. Yeah. And, of course, I'm sure at the time, like, it was weird. But, you know, a lot of people don't think, oh, shit, something's about to go down. Yeah. So. I mean, he could have assumed, oh, he, maybe he got a new Xbox and he wanted me to have this one. Yeah. I don't, yeah. The earrings, it would be weird. I don't know. Both of them are odd. So, then on Wednesday, August 28th, Bryce texted his girlfriend, Kim, and said, quote, you will be better off without me. So, of course, Kim is confused and upset because yeah. before this, usually if someone's going to break up with you, I feel like you can kind of like, there are some things going on prior to the actual breakup. Like, you can feel them like being less interested. Yeah, there's some signs. There are signs. And maybe sh there were signs and she wasn't picking up on them or whatever. I don't know. But... So she's, like, caught completely off guard, and it was about 10 o'clock on the 28th, Kim had told Bryce, like, you need to come over. We need to talk about this. Right. You're, you're not breaking up with me over a text. Mm -hmm. Get real, which I feel you. So at about 10 o'clock, Bryce goes to Kim's house, and um, she said that he appears to be unwell and agitated. He repeated that he thought that they should break up. And she thought that he seemed intoxicated or just not fit to drive. So mm -hmm. she takes his car keys and he's like pissed at this point. Like, yeah. dude, like, give me my keys. I want to fucking leave. So he calls his mom and asks her to talk to Kim and make her give him his keys back so he can leave. Yeah. So... Karen offers to actually fly out the next day 
to help him, but Bryce is like, no, don't do that, which I'm curious about why she would say, I'm going to fly out because of this incident. Yeah, I think I'm trying to look at it as a mom with an only child perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're being told something like, you know, your son who has seemed very happy at college, very happy with his girlfriend, and all of a sudden, um, you know, his girlfriend is telling like, hey, like, I don't think he's okay to drive. I, you know, I feel like there's something going on here. Mm-hmm. And I maybe would be concerned enough to be like, you know what, let, let me come out there. Like, let me come help you. Whatever needs to be done, like, let's, let's talk. I'll mm-hmm. come to you. Don't worry about it. And so I guess she could have made the drive, but I don't think it's over the top for her to be like, you know, calm down. I'll come out tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. But he tells her no. Yeah. He's like, it's, don't worry about it. Yeah. He's like, don't worry about it. You don't need to fly here. But I do have a lot to talk to you about. Very eerie. So that's very eerie. So I'm guessing at this point she's assuming that he's gonna call her like the next day because it's already late. It's after 10 Mm o'clock and she's probably assuming he's gonna call her the next day to talk about whatever it is. Yeah. So during this time Karen talks to Kim and is like hey he seems fine like he's perfectly lucid on the phone with me. Give him his keys back and let him leave. Yeah. Like stop this. You're not his mom. Mm -hmm. So Bryce leaves Kim's at around 11.30. So he was there for an hour and a half. That <laughs> seems like a long time. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm guessing Kim wanted to talk to him and I don't know. Yeah. But he leaves at 11.30 and Kim and his parents think he's just going back to his apartment. And Bryce's mom missed a call from him at around 1 o'clock. Uh, And she assumed he was just letting her know that he had arrived safely at his apartment, which if he left at 1130, it's about an hour and a half. So one o'clock would have been around the time he would have arrived home. Right. So that makes sense that that's what she would assume. But later, phone records would show that when he made that call to his mom, he was actually still an entire hour away from his apartment in a, quote, isolated area. So, what, I mean, he had only traveled a half hour from Kim's apartment in an hour and a half. Yeah, the concept of time is going to get weird from here on out. Oh, yeah. Oh, it gets so, so strange. So, so freaking weird. Yeah. And this is the thing. Yes, his disappearance is fucking crazy, but... Like, this part of the story is where you just kind of sit there, like, with your mouth open, like, what in the fuck? Yeah. Everything from the night of the 28th through the 30th is just so bizarre. Yes. Okay. At 11 o'clock on the 29th, so it's next day here, you know, it's the same day that Bryce's mom... Got that, had that missed call at one o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. But she also receives a voicemail at 
11 a.m., so, you know, just right before noon, that says Bryce had used their roadside assistance service at around 9 o'clock that morning. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he had run out of gas near the Buttonwillow Rest Area, which is west of Bakersfield, California. So, okay. He had traveled almost 350 miles from his apartment. Yeah. Three gallons of gas were delivered to Bryce by a man named Christian, who worked at the company called Castro Tire and Gas. This guy is going to be in the story a few different times, and honestly, like, fucking kudos to him. Yeah. It's crazy. So, the cost of this gas was $20 and was charged to Bryce's parents' credit card. The charge records showed that he was in Buttonwillow, and his parents just assumed that Bryce was on his way to see them, which makes sense. Yeah. Their Laguna Niguel home was about a three-hour drive away from where Bryce was in Buttonwillow. And they tried to call Bryce, but he wasn't answering any of their calls at this time. So, hours after the gas was delivered, Bryce still hadn't shown up at their doorstep like that they were expecting. Mm -hmm. And so, they thought, we're going to call Castro Tire and Gas and talk to this dude that delivered the gas for Bryce. Right. So they talked to Christian and Christian actually went back up to the rest stop that he was at previously to put the gas in Bryce's car and check on him Mm -hmm. to see if he was still there. Yeah. He was still there and he was just sitting in his car and hadn't moved. This is about three and a half hours after the 9 a.m. roadside assistance call. Yes. Christian was actually on the phone with Karen, Bryce's mom, and Christian was like, um, you need to talk to your mom. Mm-hmm. And so Bryce got on the phone with his mom, and she was like, Bryce, what are you doing? He said nothing. And Christian told Karen that Bryce appeared okay but that his eyes looked a little red. So at this point, it's been several hours since Bryce has probably slept. Yeah. Several. Several. He spoke to his mother on the phone at around 1230 p.m. So, you know, afternoon. And his parents still expected Bryce to arrive in Laguna Niguel by three o'clock. This Buttonwillow place is about three hours away. Three o'clock came and went, and Bryce still hadn't shown up. Yeah. He wasn't answering any calls, and six more hours passed by without any communication from Bryce. That's such a long time. That is so long. Yeah. His parents tracked his phone, and they discovered that he had only moved eight miles away in the nine hour time period right so he's literally just been sitting in button willow yeah so now it's nine o'clock and his parents finally decide to contact the california highway patrol 
for help because, like, shit's getting weird. Yeah. And, you know, this whole time they're thinking, he seemed fine on the phone. I don't understand why he's not coming home. You know, and they're hours away. At this point, they're doing everything that they think they should be doing. Yeah. I mean, they are. It's still super weird. Like, so they know he was in Button Willow at 9 a.m. They received the voicemail from him at 11 saying that he used roadside assistance. Mm -hmm. And then at 1230, he's still sitting in Button Willow and hasn't moved. And then they know at 6 o'clock that... He still hasn't moved from Button Willow. At this point, I would be like, what? Okay. Enough. This is crazy. I'm driving to fucking Button Willow, and I'm going to pick up my kid. Now, obviously, I'm not trying to point any fingers or blame them for not doing that. Mm -hmm. I just don't know why they didn't just get in the car and go. Yeah, I think about that, too. And I I understand calling the police, but I would have called the police... In route to pick him up. Yeah. Maybe. Like, yeah. call them, make sure they go check on him, but I'm fucking going. Yeah. And really the only thing that I think of when I start to have that argument with myself is, again, this is a kid that they basically have never had any troubles with, it seems like. You know, they're thinking, he is fine. He is perfectly capable of getting home. He's, you know obviously okay that one dude has checked on him so maybe at this point they're like okay like now they're starting to be like what in the actual fuck is happening yeah so i don't know i don't know i just i'm not a parent but i know like if that child was me and my mom was waiting she would have gotten in the car and come and pick me up for sure a hundred percent she would have gotten in the car she would have gotten in the car when I was sitting in Button Willow for over three hours, she would yeah. have been like, clearly you're fucking struggling. I'm going to come get you because you're acting in a way that you have never acted before. Yeah. Like, yeah, I get that. She would have just, she would have just driven and picked me up and been yeah. done with it. Yeah. So. I don't know. And I'm sure that this is a thought they have to this day. They think to themselves, I should have just gone and picked him up. Of course they do. I, of course. They think about that every second of every day. Yeah. Yeah. The guilt there. And of course, of course, this this is not their fault. Of course not. But I think in any situation similar to this, you're going to think what you did do, what you didn't do, what you could have done. Yes, of so, course. Okay. So now it's 9 p.m. And his parents finally call Highway Patrol. And the officers get there, they find Bryce, and they search his vehicle, which was now located on Lagoon Drive in Buttonwillow. You know, they're looking for any drugs or alcohol. Nothing was found. And they spend like 20 minutes with Bryce and they actually perform a sobriety test. He passed. Yeah. So no drugs, no alcohol in the car. He's passed his sobriety test. And they also say, you know, your parents are worried. I need you to call your parents, um, you know, to let them know that you're fine. And they note that he was 
very reluctant to call his parents, Mm -hmm. which is weird. Weird. But not weird because he hasn't been answering the phone either. Yeah. So Bryce eventually gives in and eventually calls them. Now it's about 10 o'clock. Karen, his mom, calls Bryce again and he answers this time. And she asks, what are you doing? And he told her, I'm going to go hang out with friends later. So she's like, uh, okay. Random. This, this whole time, like, I, I thought you were on your way home. Yeah. So it's 11 o'clock. Bryce stops at a gas station in Button Willow. He buys a drink for a dollar and 71 cents. And after that, Karen has said that, quote, he tells me he's on the I-5 South, but he's telling me nothing. Right. So it's been reported that he also purchased $39 worth of gas at the Valero gas station on Lagoon Drive in Buttonwillow. Yeah. Same place. Same place. At some point during this night, his parents call Christian, who was the guy that delivered the gas from Castro Tire and Gas in the beginning, this whole situation. Right. The dude that's already checked on him once yeah and they say can you please check on bryce again he gets there he finds bryce he's still in the same area and had now been in button willow for over 13 hours that is a long ass time especially because to be in a car to be in a car and button willow is like a little drive-through town it's, yeah, it's like a truck stop yeah, place. yeah there's like the gas station and like a truck stop there's nothing else there it's not like he's in a city doing some shit right he's not hanging out in a coffee shop you know no he's he's not watching netflix on his phone he's like sitting in his car yeah he's just sitting there That's so bizarre. So Christian's like, you know what? I'm going to follow this kid and make sure he gets to where he needs to be going. I want to make sure he starts heading in the right direction. So he tells his mom that's what he's going to do. He follows Bryce onto the interstate, you know, follows him for a little bit. And eventually he pulls off. And at this time, according to the GPS, he was due to arrive in Laguna Niguel, where his parents are, by 3.25 a.m. Yes. So I cannot imagine how long of a day and two nights at this point it's been for these parents to be like, what in the fuck is going on with this kid? Yeah. Yeah. And, and they at this they probably have no thoughts that something bad is going to happen to him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't it's, know. It's just so wild. It is so weird. And Karen continues to call Bryce throughout like this time. After, yeah, they're like checking in with each yeah. other. And she says that she asks him repeatedly for like landmarks or mile markers to figure out where he is mm-hmm. and he just keeps telling her i'll be there at 325 yeah he i think he even said like i can't like see them yeah i can't see anything which 
yeah, you at this point it's dark. You're probably not really seeing landmarks, but you sh- you are definitely seeing mile markers. Yeah, absolutely. So at 1.50 a.m., Bryce calls Karen. He contacts her and tells her that he's detoured off the I-5, but is now back on the I-5. So if he doesn't say where he detoured. I didn't find any reports of, like, GPS of where he was at that point. But he says he's back on. He's en route to Laguna Niguel. And then... The last call between Karen and Bryce happens at 2.08. So not even 20 minutes later, she talks to Bryce and he tells her, I pulled off the I-5, I'm in a suburban area, and I'm going to sleep in my car for a little while. So he's tired, which of course course he's tired. Uh, At this point, Karen thought that Bryce had possibly been awake for 48 hours. Jesus so she's like, yeah, pull over, get some sleep, and as soon as you wake up, just head home. Yeah. So they go to bed and think they're going to wake up in the morning and Bryce is just going to arrive in the morning. Mm-hmm. Bryce actually doesn't pull over to get some rest at this point. He continues driving for a further 90 minutes south to Castaic Lake. So weird. Which I don't think is in really in the direction of Laguna Niguel. I think it's a different way. Yeah, I think at this it is. point. So between the time he leaves Button Willow and 5 a.m., according to the CCTV, Bryce made three separate trips to the location where his car would eventually be found. There is a camera located on Lake Hughes Road near Lake Castaic that catches Bryce's Toyota Highlander going up the road at 2.15 a.m. So this is seven minutes after he had last spoken to his mom. Yeah. And this camera only catches vehicles going up up the road. It doesn't catch them coming back down. Yes. Um, And it really just catches the license plate. So it doesn't actually show who's driving the car Mm -hmm. at this point. But it's only been seven minutes, really. I mean, a lot can happen in seven minutes, but I'm going to guess it's Bryce who's driving the car up this road. Yes. He's driving it up Lake Hughes Road at 215 and then the same camera catches him driving up Lake Hughes Road again at 4.29 a.m. So, so two hours in between doing it again. Yes, two hours in between, he it catches him driving back up the same road. So he had to have obviously driven back down at some point, but there's no camera that catches driving down the road. Right. So the exact time of the car wreck is not known, but it's obviously between 4.30 a.m. and 5.15 a.m. because that's when they find it. Mm -hmm. So the officers arrive at Lake Castaic to conduct a training exercise, and that's when they discover his car. So there had been... 
tire marks on like this hill mm-hmm. at Lake Castaic. And it appeared as though the vehicle had accelerated going towards the lake. Yeah, downhill slope. Downhill slope and accelerated towards the lake. Enough to even, like, unearth, like, big chunks and rocks. Yes. And that said in the episode of Disappeared that a vehicle just, like, put in neutral and rolled down a hill is not going to do that. Right. So, from the top of the hill, it looks as though you could drive down the hill straight into the lake. Mm-hmm. But there's a drop-off to an embankment before the lake that you can't really see, yes. especially in the dark. Mm-hmm. So, what happened is his car accelerates down this hill, drops off of the embankment, and is overturned on its side... And that's where it is found. Mm -hmm. So there was a small amount of blood on the passenger side headrest and in the backseat, but not a large amount that would indicate severe injury. Right. And the back glass was broken out of the vehicle and it looked like it had been like pushed out from inside the car. Like, he couldn't get out because his car was on its side. and yeah. Right. And so he kicks it out to get out of the vehicle. So it is not in the lake at mm-hmm. this point. So all signs point to he was in good enough shape to get himself out of his vehicle. Yeah. And uh, there was a duffel bag found in the back of the car that was unzipped. And investigators speculated that he had removed something from the bag before he left the vehicle, mm-hmm. but that his belongings were all still found in the car, including his laptop, cell phone, and wallet. Now, this part, the unzipped duffel bag, doesn't basically doesn't mean anything to me because I don't always zip bags. Yeah. The thing that stands out here is, you know, it's one thing to not grab your laptop or your wallet, but you're at least going to grab a cell phone to call yeah. someone. Yeah, and it didn't say necessarily if there was any cash in his wallet. So I don't, maybe he had some cash and he just decided to grab the cash, leave everything else. Yeah. Because obviously debit cards, credit cards are traceable. Yeah. Yeah, it appears, and the duffel bag still had all of his clothes. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't he take some clothes with him maybe? I don't know. So that's really it. Officers arrive at Bryce's parents' house at around 8 a.m. the next day to tell them that they found his car and that he was nowhere to be found. Yeah. Yeah. And, the you know, the weird thing about that is, you know, like you said, the very small amount of blood. Mm-hmm. And it's not like anyone can tell what part of the body that blood would have been coming from. Right, exactly. So, I mean, it, it could have been as much as a cut on his arm from a piece of glass. Yeah. So weird. Yeah. So weird. So weird. And officers initially, because of the 
where the vehicle was found and the acceleration down the hill, their initial thought is that he was trying to drive his car into the lake and commit suicide. Right. But he's nowhere to be found. He just is gone. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So really from this point forward, I mean, it's just the search. Yeah. It's all, it's all like speculation from here on out. It's such a weird, they just don't have a lot to go off of. Yeah. You know, cause he leaves his cell phone. So it's not like they can start pinging towers. Yeah. They can't, you know, there's nothing for them to look up as far as ATM transactions, you know, a burger purchase. Yep. So search parties are immediately set up in the area. And right. It's pretty impressive how quickly they spring to action in Mm -hmm. this case. Mm -hmm. So you don't see that all the time. Uh, no. But their first thought is to search the lake. And divers search Castaic Lake for days, and they never find any trace of Bryce. Yeah. Or any remains. Right. Because, you know, Keegan's first thought, when we watched this episode a while ago, was, you know, if he was trying to take his own life, he probably... Mm -hmm maybe tried to drown himself in the lake. I'm like, yeah, they didn't find shit in that lake. Yeah. No. So they don't find anything there. And a volunteer group also gets together and searches campgrounds and other areas where Bryce may have gone to, you know, seek shelter. You can only, I mean, you just have to look everywhere possible in these situations. Why someone would try to seek shelter at a campground when you could just grab your cell phone and like call someone mm-hmm. you don't know, but they were doing the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So the Lisvisa family um, actually hires a private investigator, Shannon Talos. And Shannon believes that Bryce did not sustain any massive trauma that would have, you know, taken his life during the wreck. Mm hmm. And she states that he likely did not sustain a debilitating injury at the scene. Given his physical conditioning, he absolutely had the ability to leave the scene. So that does kind of go with what officers initially think when they see the broken window. He probably kicked his way out to get out of the vehicle. Right. Multiple bloodhounds actually tracked Bryce's scent to a truck stop on Castaic Road. And then it stopped. Shannon Talos, the PI, said, Logic is usually our best friend. All the logical facts surrounding this case seem to indicate that he likely walked away from the scene. So once again, it doesn't seem like he was hurt enough to wander away and just fall down and die. Right. Yeah. So the official search was led by the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Office, and it was called off three weeks after the initial disappearance. Yeah. So, I mean, three weeks of all search efforts doesn't seem like a long time, 
But when you have multiple different groups doing it and covering these areas, I mean, they did a lot of searching. Yeah, they did. And, the, you know, three weeks. In the grand scheme of know, things, doesn't quite, seem like a lot. Yeah. But. It, it really kind of is. It is a lot. Especially because he's a 19-year-old person. Like, I'm actually kind of surprised that they searched that long because typically yeah. they'd be like, well, he's an adult, so. Yeah, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. Yeah. He he wrecked his car. Maybe he just was like, well, fuck it. I'm out of here. Yeah. You know, he's an adult. He can do that. Mm-hmm. So in the years following his disappearance in 2013, the Las family um, has continued to regularly search the area where his vehicle was found. In 2015, they hired a sonar boat and searched that lake, Castaic Lake, for two days. Their PI worked with a drone operator during the same time, and nothing was ever found. Mm -hmm. So they've really done everything that they can think of. Yeah. Because, you know, like Keegan's, your initial reaction is the lake. Yeah. And it's not a, I mean, it's a lake, but it's also not. It's not the ocean. Yeah, it's not the ocean. You know, I don't even think this thing is as big as our, you know, lakes that we've been to in the state that we live. Mm -hmm. It's not a lake system like that. Yeah. Yeah. I would, you know, I would think when you look at, like, the shape of, like, Lake of the Ozarks, it's pretty, like, extensive Mm -hmm. and it has you know, juts off of it where they go into, like, coves and different areas. It's very big, actually. I think this is more of, like, a city lake type of thing is what I'm thinking. Yeah, so let's see here. Castaic Lake is a reservoir formed by the Castaic Dam on Castaic Creek. And I'm trying to see the water volume is... Oh, I don't know this kind of map or this kind of math. It says 320,000 acre dot feet. Acres per foot? That doesn't make sense because acres are huge. Yeah. The surface elevation is about 1,500 foot. Okay. And so, I mean, there are clearly devices and technology that can certainly go that deep. And look yeah um okay now i'm like really curious so yeah like it, it's big but not huge right and that's all we can say we'll post a picture of it on yeah. our instagram so you guys can look at it but when i think lake i think just fucking thousands and thousands of acres of lake yeah and it it's pretty standard like it doesn't have a lot of branches off of it yeah it's just like a single area Mm -hmm. right so and the fact that they did sonar for two full days and never pulled anything up Mm -hmm. is pretty like indicative of their not have him not being in the lake yeah so so 
obviously a case like this that is so bizarre is going to have a lot of theories. Obviously, the first one we've already kind of mentioned, the L.A. County Sheriff thought initially suicide was a likely instance here just because of, as we said, the way that the car was found with the tire tracks and everything like that. And the way he was acting in the days leading up to his disappearance, it caused them to think that he was attempting to take his own life here. That one, of course, comes up almost immediately. But his family's pretty adamant that they don't think that he was trying to kill himself. Yeah, I mean, even though his actions were a little sketch, mm-hmm. yeah. I just don't I just don't know. I it's very hard to say. The fact that he was trying to give away personal belongings, especially his Xbox and diamond earrings from his mom, and he broke up with Kim. And he was really reluctant to go home. And he was lingering around Button Willow for more than 13 hours. Yeah, that is insane. So weird. And I don't know why you would do all those things. And them happening right before he disappeared. You know, suicide is a a very viable theory, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Of course... You cannot rule out foul play since he crashed his car and it's clear everyone is pretty sure that he was in a state physically where he could, he obviously got himself out of the car and the very minute amount of blood indicates that he was, he could get himself somewhere and he left the scene. So, and the bloodhounds track his scent to a truck stop nearby. So it's possible that he crashed. Maybe his phone was dead. Who knows? Um, so he could have crashed. His phone's dead. And he could have walked to the nearby truck stop to use the phone or get some help and run across someone who abducted him and took him somewhere else. Yeah. And took his, you know, killed him or did whatever. Right. So that's entirely possible. The fact that the bloodhounds track his scent to this truck stop is pretty significant, I think. Yeah. And that it stopped there and didn't go anywhere else. And it that indicates to me that he likely got into a vehicle at that point. Yes. I mean, he didn't just keep walking. Yeah. Yeah. So, and obviously, as with any of these, they, a lot of these theories could be true at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, he could have been maybe intending to take his life on the hill with the lake and then it not happen the way he had planned. And that yeah. could have been like a, oh, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And then he gets up, walks to the truck stop, intending to call his parents to come get him or call the police. And then he runs across someone else, gets in their car, and then he disappears. Like, who knows? Right, right. Um, Another conjecture is drowning, but this one seems unlikely as his car wasn't in the lake. He got out of his car, and they have not found him in the lake. So that one, I think, is pretty not really the case. Yeah. Here. Especially 
because if he would have drowned, he would have had to have walked into the lake himself. Yeah. And they didn't find him. Right. So I just, that and, one is so and unlikely. And his scent wouldn't have stopped at that truck stop. Yes, exactly. So. So that one, I don't, I don't feel like that one is on the table. Um, some people say that it's possible he just walked away from his life. Which I think comes up a lot in a lot of missing person cases. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's very hard to say, but there's a huge lack of evidence. His body has never been found. And there are have been a few reports of possible sightings of him, but most of them have been, like, debunked as yeah. not being him. Yeah. So walking away from his life has to be a possibility because his body's never been found. Yeah. And, you know, you think it's definitely a possibility, which it is. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it would take a lot of shit. For me to walk away from my life. Even as a 19 year old college kid. Yeah. I mean. It's his life seemed normal. He seemed happy. And of course you say this of every. Person who. You know takes their own life. Or runs away. Mm -hmm. But honestly. Looking at the big picture. The dude. Had a good life. Yeah it's he didn't. He didn't seem like he was troubled. Exactly. So but you never know. You never know. I mean, I don't know. And his parents, they they believe he's still alive. They don't believe he walked away from his life, but that he could be suffering a head injury and he doesn't know who he is, which is why he hasn't contacted them. I can understand the hope in believing that. And I mean, I can understand that theory to an extent. Yeah. But there would be way more sightings. Yeah. And him. I think. Unless he's just like straight up in a place where no one knows or has seen right. a missing poster or missing post for this kid. I feel like if he had sustained a head injury bad enough that he would have amnesia and not know who he is at all that he would have had to if he's still alive that means he's come in contact with other people yes. in order to get food and water mm -hmm. so i would think realize something's wrong if this person don't doesn't know who they are Right. And they would take them, take him to a hospital or try and get him some medical attention. Or at least, like, call the police, like, hey, yeah. I see this guy a lot. He seems very confused. At some point, either a hospital or um, a law enforcement agency would be in contact with him at some point. Yes. And then realize this is a missing person. Yeah. And I want to read this out. With Bryce, I feel like he's a very recognizable guy. Yeah. He has, I mean, when I say red hair, he has red hair. Yes. Very bright red hair. Very red. And at the time, 
Um, you know, he was only 19 years old, which I know most people are pretty much done growing by mm-hmm. the time they're 19. He's five ten and a half. You know, he's a white male. He has blue eyes. So he has that typical red hair, blue eyes. Mm-hmm. And he was 160 pounds. But he also has a very unique tattoo on his left arm. Mm-hmm. And he has both ears pierced. So if he's out there, like Maddie said, at some point he would have had to have come into contact with a hospital or law enforcement. And the first thing they're going to do is if this person doesn't know who they are or can't say, yeah, my parents are these people, this is my family, they're going to run him in NamUs. Yeah, they are. And his characteristics mm-hmm. stand out to me. Yeah, and they, they run it searches in NamUs to see if there are any, like, John Doe's out with his description and nothing has ever come up. Right. You know, this isn't some, he's not, like, a, some blonde-haired kid, no tattoos, no piercings, no recognizable features. Mm-hmm. He stands out for sure. Yeah. I could point him out in a crowd of people. Yeah, he's very, he is a distinctive-looking person. So So, that theory to me, yes, unless this was 100% planned, I'm going to wreck my car and I'm going to fucking disappear. Mm -hmm. That is more possible to me than that he's injured and doesn't know who he is. Yeah. If he had a head injury and didn't know who he was, I don't feel like he would make it very far without someone contacting medical or law enforcement. I just don't think that's likely. Yeah. Um, so, but this brings us to our last theory and that, that is that he suffered a psychotic break or some sort of mental illness is playing into what's happening. So, of course, we've talked about the Vyvanse and the alcohol. So, These things could be at play and causing him to have some sort of psychotic break. Um, Because a lot of, you know, Vyvanse has a lot of symptoms or side effects. And when you mix it with alcohol, that is something that could come into play. And he'd been awake for so long that. And that alone. That alone is going to make you, your mental state deteriorate. So. The sleep deprivation along with Vyvanse and alcohol, even though he passed the field sobriety test. So a jury's out on whether he was actually intoxicated with either of those things. Yeah. But sleep deprivation alone can cause a lot of mental strain. So it could have triggered psychotic break or bring up a latent mental illness. So... The two that come up are bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. So schizophrenia usually sets in for males between the ages of 16 and 30. And um, some of the symptoms of schizophrenia are delusions, hallucination, disorganized thinking or speaking, abnormal motor skills, And lack of ability to function normally, such as ignoring hygiene, lack of emotion, 
doesn't make eye contact with people, loss of interest in everyday activities. It's re- obviously, it's hard to say if he was delusional or having hallucinations. Yeah. Because, I mean, most people that he came into contact with that night, Christian and the officer, were like, he seems fine. Yeah. He just seems like he... Does, I, yeah, doesn't want to be go home. Yeah. And in the Disappeared episode, they kind of noted that you know, it looked like he was trying to blow off some steam. Yeah. And I get that. I am a person who finds a lot of comfort in going for a drive, but I'm also driving mm-hmm. and, you know, I have my music on. And even if it's around the block a few times, I don't blow off steam by sitting in my car for several hours. No, no, me either. I blow off steam by taking a shower. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's very odd. I mean, the symptoms for bipolar disorder are being abnormally upbeat, jumpy, or wired, increased activity, exaggerated sense of well-being, which that one could play in here. He was just claiming to be fine and appearing to be so. Yeah. Um, decreased need for sleep. That one fits. Unusual talkativeness, racing thoughts, and distractibility. Since he's not, he's gone and has disappeared, so no one can evaluate him to see if he's has racing thoughts or if he's having hallucinations. No one can verify that because they can't talk to him. But right. some people point to... The days leading up to could be like the precursors if he was schizophrenic and the symptoms were starting to present themselves. The days leading up seem to maybe point to that. Right. And a psychotic break could have caused any schizophrenia or bipolar disorder to come to the forefront if he was suffering from that. But I don't think that explains why he's still missing. No. So. This is a straight up mystery. It is. Because that's, he's never been found. No sightings of him have been substantiated. He's never contacted his parents. He's never contacted any of his friends. He's just gone. Yeah. And that's that's all the information there is um there is a facebook page called find bryce laspisa yeah and their poster that they have up is you know if you've seen bryce or have any information you can contact 949-292-4400 or there's also an email, and it is findbrycelespisa at gmail.com. So, and there's a lot of information on here, um, and it seems to be a pretty active page. Yeah. So, I mean, there's always that chance that someone could be listening, like the many podcasts that are out there on missing people, mm-hmm. and be like, 
why does this sound so familiar to me? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's happened. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to put your finger on what you think happened. It's significant to me that he, no remains have ever been found. Yes. To be identified as Bryce. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know either, and I think that's what makes this case so infuriating, mm-hmm. is I think it is one thing to have a missing person, and then eventually, even a couple of years later, there be remains that are found. But, I mean, this has been since 2013. Mm-hmm. It's been eight years yeah. Well, almost eight years. Almost eight years. In August. And, I mean, he's my age. hmm So, it's just wild. But, you know, maybe he walked out of his life and he is perfectly happy and safe somewhere else. I find it crazy that someone could do that and leave behind two extremely loving parents because... In my eyes, and you never know the whole story with things like this, but, I mean, they seemed to have their shit together. They mm-hmm. seemed to live a good life. They seemed to care about him deeply. You know, he had friends that loved him. He had a girlfriend that he seemed very interested in. So it's fucking weird. Yeah. And, I mean... I couldn't ever imagine being like, you know what, I'm like, I'm sick of my life. I want to leave and I never want to contact my family again. Yeah. You would think there would be at least like some like weird message sent to them somehow to be like, I'm okay. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine doing that, but people do it. Yeah. And you just, they have their own reasons. I mean, maybe... I don't know. It it could just be that he was like, you know what? I don't want to continue studying this in college. I don't want to have a normal ass job. I want to go to Mexico and teach surfing lessons to people on a tiny little beach. I mean, who knows? People... I think sometimes people feel like, especially like a 19-year-old, maybe he was afraid that leaving college would disappoint his parents and they wouldn't support him pursuing something that did isn't, like, quote, successful. So mm-hmm. he just decided to leave and pursue that. Yeah, peace the fuck out. Yeah, I mean, who knows? It could be, you know? I don't know. Or maybe there's some underlying whatever happening between him and his parents that nobody knows about. And that's why. Yeah. And that's the thing about missing persons cases is you can literally speculate until, you know, your last fucking breath. Yeah. Yeah. It's so wild. It's so wild. It, It is curious that he was so reluctant for the whole day. To call his parents. He didn't answer any of their calls. The first time they talk to him is on Christian's phone because Mm -hmm. he won't call them. 
And then the police have to persuade him to talk to his mom on the phone. So it does seem a little odd that he was so reluctant to answer the phone or talk to his parents when he was clearly capable of doing so. Yeah. So who who knows? Who knows? And he had told his mom the day before there was something he really needed to talk to her about. Yeah. So I don't know. He must have been struggling with something that no one knows about. Yeah, and it could have been something big. Yeah. It could have been something very minor. Yeah, yeah. But we'd love to hear what you think. Yes, what are your theories about Bryce Laspisa? You can hit us up on that Gmail. What if I told you podcast at gmail.com. Dude, follow us on Instagram. Yeah, please follow us on Instagram. Uh, We are popping. Hell yeah. That's right. We'll post a picture of this very weird lake. Yeah, we'll post a picture of Bryce. Probably the missing person poster. Yes. That has him on there. And a picture of the lake so you can see. How it looks. How it looks. It. It's not large and expansive. So. Yeah, I think everyone's idea of a lake is probably a little different. Yes. So. Yes. But, so. yeah, Instagram is at what if I told you pod and our Facebook is what if I told you podcast. Feel free to DM us on our Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. We'll shout you out on our next episode. Mm-hmm. And especially when we start to get into these types of episodes, I think it's very interesting to hear what other people think. Um, or if you have a missing person that you're obsessed with, let us know. We would love to do it. Yeah, we like doing these kinds of cases. Um, it's so mysterious. There's so many questions, and it's just hanging there. Yeah, and it's so important to keep telling these stories. Yeah, someone knows something. Someone picked up Bryce from the truck stop. I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced of it. Someone picked him up, and that person knows something. Yeah, I mean, if you don't continue to share stories of missing people or Mm -hmm. unsolved homicides or just really any cold case in general, it is never going to be solved. Yeah. So, share. Share. Um... We would love to hear what you think. So let us know. Yeah. And we would absolutely be over the moon if you would subscribe to the show. Yes. And share our show with your friends. Yes. Um, That's how we grow. And that will keep us in the podcast business. Yeah. We want to do this for a long time, you guys. And we almost to 1,000 downloads. We are tantalizingly close. Um, So give us a shout out to your friends who you know like podcasts. And we would love that. And we would also love it if you would rate us five stars and write us a little review. That way we can... Know uh, your thoughts and feelings. Yeah, absolutely. And we will 
shout it out on the show. Just we'll do to it. show you that we have read it and we care. We care about what you have to say. We absolutely care. Unless you're just like really mean. Yeah, if you're if you're gonna please don't be mean. <laughs> I mean, we try our best. You know, I think we're getting better and better which with each episode. And it's funny because I remember our episode one before we released it, which is a little bit of a train wreck, but it was fun. And I'm glad we were both here for the ride. It has some personality. It does. And you can tell from episode one on how much better we have become at structuring the episode. And, I mean, our subject material for episode one was a little all over the place anyways. Yeah. But it was fun. But before we released it to the public, we sent it to... My friend Cheyenne and her boyfriend, Ken. Mm -hmm. And, you know, her big thing was I really felt like I was sitting in a room with you guys talking about this. Mm -hmm. Because a big difference between Madeline and I is I'm into podcasts that are more storytelling and scripted, whereas Madeline is not. Mm -hmm. Sometimes banter drives me insane. So I think it's really cool that we have developed a flow of facts and story Mm -hmm. with banter and I haven't really found a lot of podcasts like that yeah yeah I do like a podcast that is no no nonsense just the story but you know like we some podcasts that I've been listening to for a number of years are like that and I still feel like I don't know those hosts. Yes. I I want to feel like I know who I'm listening to. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to know the Taco Bell zodiac sign of the person's <laughs> voice you've been listening to? That's right. That's right. <laughs> but anyways, shout outs to Haley and Ariel. You guys are amazing. You are the real talent, the yes. artwork, the music, perfection. Absolute perfection. And if you need any artwork done or you need any songs created for you, let us know. We will send you over to Haley and Ariel. We'll give you their information and you can solicit their services because they really, really deserve it. Absolutely. Um, and that's that's it for this show. We are so happy you joined us. And um, just uh, be kind out there. And stay weird. Okay, bye. Bye.